Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. It's that time of week again where my business partner, Sam Russ, takes over the show and interviews our guest. I hope you enjoy the show. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. With me today is Andre Oldacre. Andre started in real estate buying multifamily properties in Brooklyn. He's had some development opportunities, decided to move towards taking Cornell's commercial real estate and construction finance program through Columbia as well. Andre has moved towards modular construction and has used them in several of his projects. And he's recently been named the vice chair of Offsite Construction Council for the National Institute of Building Sciences. Andre, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So Andre, I've been exposed to modular just a little bit. I haven't worked on any projects firsthand, but I have some friends who have been involved in that space. Modular has maybe a little bit of a negative connotation. I think most people in real estate, when they hear modular, they think modular home. They maybe think mobile home park. But I think what you're doing is a little bit different. So maybe you could just explain how you got into modular, what it is, and what excites you about this asset class. So what you're talking about, the differentials is, you know, a manufactured home is mobile homes that you see in a trailer park. Modular is just the, the ability to create housing or any building for that matter inside of a factory, inside of a controlled environment. So you bring many levels of efficiency when you build inside a factory. One, you're building on the first level in an air conditioned building without weather elements. You have access to equipment, electric. There's no need for scaffolding and and various other issues that you have on-site issues, on-site field. It's also a lot faster because you're doing the site works, you know, mainly the excavation foundation work at the same time as you're building the modules in the factory. So you can get up to 50% faster because the two are going on simultaneously. That makes sense. How did you get into modular and be connected with the Offsite Construction Council? I'm, I'm sure there's a good story there. Sure. So... I got into real estate. I bought my first home in Brooklyn in three family, pretty much the Burr strategy from Bigger Pockets and, and others. Over time, I saw a massive appreciation. My house tripled in value and took money out of that, bought some others. But then I got I hit the zoning lottery and they increased the buildable square footage on my block. So I planned to, you know, knock my building down and buy a neighbor's house and go up eight stories. That didn't end up happening, but within that, I found my partner who had 20 years of construction experience and Robert Allen and, you know, a certified construction manager. And I brought along all the finance and property management experience and we formed AOR Development. He had already had experience with Modular. He had built over 200 homes and the Hurricane Build It Back Sandy program with the Build It Back program. And I was already researching and learning a lot about Modular. Then we connected with our architect, Jim Garrison, who's probably one of the most well-renowned architects for modular in New York City. And he was our architect, you know, in the planning. We're planning a 110-unit building, three buildings, senior affordable project in, in Brooklyn here now. So we've learned a lot through him as well. And just continuing to study the subject and going to meetings and world of modular and, and various other things 
become sort of an expert in the field. So as I've been in real estate over the last five years or so, I've heard modular quite a bit and I'm hearing it more and more. We're doing a couple of projects in Idaho and there's actually going to be three different modular factories located in Idaho by the end of this year. Autoval is a huge one with Rick Murdoch. He, uh, he created one that's got some heavily advanced robotics in there. He's cut the man hours down tremendously and I'm going to pick up the speed and, and lower the cost. Yeah, we own a property that's less than a mile from the Autoval facility up there. I've driven by it a couple of times. I'm trying to find him on LinkedIn so I can get a tour. I'd love to see behind the scenes. I've heard it's a pretty impressive facility. So where are we at in the life cycle for modular? You know, for many years, there was negative connotations in multifamily. Maybe the building quality was a little bit under what you could do if you're doing stick built. It seems like the narrative is changing, especially as we're facing rising housing costs. I mean, lumber costs are higher. Like you mentioned, you can bring that skilled labor into a controlled environment, minimize waste. Where do you see adoption heading from here? Which inning, if we were to describe this as a baseball game, which inning are we in for the modular resurgence? Although modular has been around since the 20s, took off a little bit more in the 60s, we're still in the infancy stages. We're still in, I would say, the third inning, right? It's only 4% of the construction market right now. And, you know, it has the capability of being you know, mainstream and, you know, above 20% of the market share. So we're still in the very early stages. You're hearing a lot of buzz about it because, you know, we've learned our lessons from past mistakes. And, you know, there's been a lot of learning lessons and curves that we've had, we've had to address. But from those lessons, better factories have come out and better practices have come out, you know, and using BIM technology and, and all sorts of other innovations and, you know, advanced robotics, as we talked about with Audible and others, um, we're actually in the process of working on a modular factory as well. That ours would be steel-based, whereas you know, a company like Olive Oil is wood-based. So there's been a lot of lessons learned, and it's really becoming, you know, of the past three or four years, you've heard a lot of you know big names pushing money towards manufacturing. Obviously, the reason is construction, there's a skilled labor construction shortage. Millennials are moving away from the hard, gritty work that is this construction field. You know, first of all, as a construction worker, your lifespan is, you know, you can't do this a full career. You can only probably work till 50, 55, right? It's hard, strenuous work. And what the, you know, the use of the robotics, we can take the heavy and tedious work away from the workers and have them do skilled labor like plumbing and electric and engineering and robotics and, you know, things that will extend the worker's life and, you know, happiness in, in the job. So... You'd mentioned as one of the things that's being implemented is BIM technology. I'm not familiar with that term. Could you elaborate a little bit? So it's building information systems. It is basically a coordination between all facets of the construction world. So you you have a lot of waste in construction because disagreements or errors that go between the developer, the architect, the structural engineer, and the GC. Right. You have all sorts of errors that are going on with BIM technology. It's all online. It's a platform that everybody can see first time and real time changes. So if the architect makes a change, everybody is able to see that change and it's lessening the error rate and increasing efficiency. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, the world is more and more being governed by data. And yeah, I can see building information systems, just a way to track and eliminate slippage, eliminate waste and maintain timelines. 
yeah, Autodesk is a leader in that field and, you know, there's some others as well, but it's definitely improving the cost and efficiency in construction. So you mentioned that right now, modular building is about 4% of the marketplace and you can see it moving towards 20%. What is maybe a couple of key factors that would make a project a really good candidate for modular for those folks that are looking into development? So it's about education, really. You know, like you said, modular has had a black eye for a long time. It's had a bad name. You know, part of what we do at the Offsite Construction Council with the National Institute of Building Sciences is we're working with, you know, the government agencies, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, the big governmental agencies, and creating a standard and best practices for both lending to and understanding the draw schedules, you know, because it's very different from a traditional build, right? And a traditional build, you may have, you know, 10% 10% down and draw schedules as different milestones are reached. In modular, it's maybe 20% down and then the factory takes on the risk. And then once the full completed modules are delivered and set, the rest 80% is released. So it's a different form of lending. And you know you get into all sorts of issues of who's responsible, when it leaves the factory, when it's set, like who takes on the insurances. So those are the practices and standards that we're working to basically to, to have flushed out. What sort of issues, if any, have you encountered or seen from a permitting standpoint? I would imagine that there's some smaller municipalities that just aren't familiar with the technology. They've got antiquated building codes. I imagine there's a fair amount of missionary work there. That's part of the education. So if we get it to the big governmental agencies and, and some, you know, they can then release it to the bigger banks, the bigger banks, and then if all also will flow down to the local municipalities. You'll find one city or one municipality that's pro module and has experience with it. And then you'll find, you know, maybe the next town over that they have no experience and you'll find that you'll have, you know, serious delays because they have to get up to speed and understanding modular. So you need to research your town or municipality that you're looking to build before you actually go ahead and say, Oh, I'm going to do this modular because of all of these efficiencies. Yeah. It's a little bit of legwork. Resale value for these buildings, once they're completed, is there any difference between a stick built and a modular once it's actually completed? It's actually better quality because you're building in a a controlled environment. You don't have warpage and other sorts of issues from weather delay. You you don't have weather delays. So it's actually better construction, but you see similar values. You don't really see any difference in value. And just to be clear, modular can look exactly like a stick built. The finishes on the on the outside sometimes are done in the field, sometimes they're done in the factory, but it can look exactly like a traditional single family home or multifamily building or a hotel for that matter. In the stick built world, we've seen you know lumber price. I mean, this is true in modular as well. The lumber prices, all your commodity prices have jumped. You know, but there's risk in stick built for storing materials at site, slippage that way, you know, having substandard contractors, et cetera, et cetera. What are some of the risks in modular that maybe just aren't thought of or aren't top of mind for somebody that's new to the space? What are some of the things that you try to control for? So, I mean, you have the same risk, right? The commodities, you're using the same materials to build. So the same commodity increases are affecting module, just like with traditional stick build. The advantage is that it takes a lot shorter time frame, So you have less exposure to that commodity change, right? So where in a factory, in a single family home might take two to three weeks for a factory, depending on how fast and efficient they are to build a single family home, you know, and traditional, actually I don't even know how long it takes because, you know, I've been my whole career with, with modular, but I'd assume it's in a two month range and you have more exposure there. 
you know, some of the risks are, you know, that's, it's really the same risk though. You know, by the time you get your quote and then the time you actually go to, you know, give them the green light to, you know, sign off, that's your risk. The time frame from when you get your first quote to when you actually start building it. Generally in the stick built world, you go out to a couple different GCs, you get a couple different bids on your projects. It seems like there's more and more of these modular factories popping up. Is the the contracting process very similar where you go out to multiple parties and can get bids. What does that turnaround process or how long does it take? What does that look like? So it's pretty similar. You can usually, you know, with a good modular factory, they should be able to look at your construction plans and, and get you a solid bid in within a week or two, you know, depending on how busy they are. So you know, that's about the time frame you're usually looking at. Kind of at the beginning, you mentioned that you'd bought a three-family dwelling and then you were fortunate to be part of a rezone. What ended up happening to that project? What was your exit strategy there? So I'm still here. I'm here right now, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> still, still in the house, but it just left it as is. Eventually, one day we'll get around to, you know, doing the project. The neighbors are kind of holding out, but I'm going to renegotiate with them. To be honest, the projects have gotten so much larger that it's really on the back burner. It doesn't really even, you know, there's so many other projects to do. So, And you mentioned 110 unit senior living. What other modular projects have you done over the last couple of years? So we're relatively new. Like I said, my partner and I, we formed our company in 2018. We're, we're finishing up four single family homes in South Plainfield, New Jersey. We're bidding out on a 22 unit condo building in Harlem. We have a huge deal in Mount Vernon, 1,500 units that we're working on, you know, getting equity capital for. So we've got a wide range of projects that we're, we have in the pipeline. I like to ask folks pretty consistently, where do you see real estate headed? You know, it's been a really interesting last 18 months, no matter which niche you're focused on. As you look forward over the next 12 to 18 months, where do you see the most opportunity and where do you see the most risk? So... You know, we're in, we're in the New York market, so we're very focused on the boroughs and surrounding areas. Obviously, we've seen a lot of struggle with the hotel, the hospitality industry, the office industry, but those are starting to come back a little bit. We mainly focus on multifamily and mixed use. We're seeing some very good deals in Brooklyn and, you know, in Westchester. Those are two main focuses and, and some parts of Jersey. And like I mentioned, one in Harlem that we're about to work on. So, you know, New York market is a very stable market. You know, people were down on the city for a while with COVID, but the price values really didn't see a hit. Rents took a hit, but the values actually stayed pretty stable. And we only see, you know, we see the market going up from here because, you know, people are starting to come back and people love the city, right? It's a very, very stable city. And it's always, it's been very resilient through the times. Even the the crash of 2008, we only saw a decrease in like 5% of value, whereas parts of like Vegas and Miami saw a 50% you know, decrease in values, right? So New York has been very, very stable and will continue to rise, we see. Awesome. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success, Andre? Just always, you know, reading, watching podcasts like this, you know, listening, you know, talking, you know, going to events, you know, studying and understanding what's going on in the, in the industry. And, you know, I'm part of you know, a bunch of associations and just always, you know, 24 seven talking about construction and modular. So that's awesome. Do you have any book recommendations for our audience? Anything you've particularly enjoyed or found helpful in your journey? The usuals, right? David Halberstein, The Reckoning, Nissan versus Ford. That's one I just, just recommended to me. Obviously I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all the rest of the 
books from Richard Kawasaki and you know various others. But yeah, I'm more of a you know podcast and you know articles sort of guy. So excellent. If someone wanted to learn more about modular, Andre, what would be some good resources to point them towards? The Modular Building Institute, NIBS, like we talked about, the National Institute of Building Sciences, and just Google, like Google is your friend, right? There's so much information out there elsewhere as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Andre. Really appreciate you taking the time and educating us and our audience a little bit on modular. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.